A person's lifestyle will be determined by the desires he allows to lead him. Solomon is telling men struggling with habitual sexual sin that they cannot expect to break the addiction to immorality until they first change the lifestyle of pleasure that is making it possible for this addiction to thrive. A man must change the course of his life from one that revolves around carnal desires to one that is centered upon the things of God. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. With these words, Solomon describes the gullible young man who follows the adulteress into her house. We're continuing our series featuring Steve Gallagher's teachings on 20 truths that helped me in my battle with porn addiction. Today, our lesson is called, Go Near the Prostitute's House, and you'll get burnt. We will look at the danger of seduction into pornography and sexual sin and its serious consequences. I'm your host, Jim Lewis, and this is Purity for Life. I want to talk to you about the seduction of sexual sin. And I want to begin by reading Proverbs 7 to you in a modern translation. Here, Solomon is warning his son not to be seduced into sexual sin, and he uses the parable of a foolish young man who gets taken in by an adulterous woman. I want to use this picture of the seductive woman to represent pornography and all forms of sexual sin. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. For at the window of my house I have looked out through the lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home, now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him, and with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. And her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her. 
as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O sons, listen to me, and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for many a victim has been laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. Notice these qualities about the nature of sexual sin. First, sexual sin often attracts a man when he is young and immature. Solomon said that he was looking out his window and saw the local youth hanging out on the corner. Among them particularly was a man who was immature and lacking sense. In other words, he was lacking in the wisdom that comes from experience. He was gullible and easily taken in. Did you know that most men who struggle with sexual sin were hooked when they were very young? Many nowadays are being exposed to pornography in grade school. Sin catches men when they are immature and defenseless. Second, sexual sin is bold and wily of heart. This means that the attraction of sin is that it breaks the rules. It is sly, secretive, forbidden. Even young boys know that they are seeing something that is wrong, that is to be kept a secret. You have to keep secrets and tell lies in order to engage in it, and frankly, that's what makes it attractive. You know you're doing something forbidden, and that's why you want to do it. Third, sexual sin appeals to the senses and to the desires of a man's heart. Sex is all about feelings, sensations, and pleasures. We wouldn't do it if it didn't feel good. Porn and other forms of sexual sin are all about fulfilling fantasies and creating pleasure. We get immediate satisfaction in the moment that makes us forget all about what comes later. Fourth, sexual sin calls itself love, but offers a cruel counterfeit. We know that immoral lovemaking is not love, but a cheap imitation. Love is selfless giving of oneself to another in a sacred bond of lifelong commitment. Sexual sin is the self-indulgent release of hormonal fluids. They are not at all the same thing. But we lie to ourselves and call one the same as the other. Fifth, sexual sin promises that there will be no consequences. The biggest lie of all is that we can do this with impunity and no harm will come to us or to others. But we always get hurt, and those who love us are often devastated by our sin and betrayal. Sixth, the draw of sexual sin is powerful. Sexual sin appeals to our senses, our emotions, our sense of wicked adventure, and our urges. Sexual sin is addictive. We get addicted to the dopamine high and to the pleasures of the build-up toward release and even to the plans and preparation for the sordid adventure. Solomon used the words persuade and compel. 
Often we feel compelled to do it. Seventh and finally, I want to walk you through the results of sexual sin. This is the end of the matter, the part of the process that the young man never considers when he is looking into the eyes of his seductress and anticipating the fulfillment of his fantasy. Notice the three animal illustrations that Solomon uses. He is an ox going to the slaughter. He is a stag shot through the liver. He is a bird caught in a snare. All three of these are a picture of death, of a creature now meeting its inglorious demise. He does not know this will cost him his life. He does not know this will cost him his life. He does not know this will cost him his life. Do not let your heart be turned aside because all her suitors become victims and she leads them all to hell. Sexual sin is the most powerful weapon in Satan's arsenal. And he only wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He lies. He makes promises he does not intend to keep. And his only desire is complete destruction into eternal torment. I think it helps to know where a road is going to lead before you turn down it. Don't you? Sexual sin is the road to immediate pleasure and long-term pain destruction, and torment. Solomon was a man with the gift of supernatural wisdom given to him by God himself. His book of Proverbs is replete with warnings about the danger of sexual sin. Steve Gallagher focuses on the warning of Proverbs 7 and what God has to say to men today about avoiding the places that he knows will lead to trouble, and what to do when temptation comes his way. Okay, truth number four. Go near the prostitute's house and you will get burnt. It was 1995 and I was in a foreign city. As I was walking along the city streets, I started noticing little signs ingeniously carved into the sidewalk directing passers-by to a brothel. Well, they say that it was curiosity that killed the cat. It started off somewhat innocently, just wondering what a brothel looked like in that city. So I followed the signs to the building and went right in. There was no one in the reception area, so I boldly walked down the long corridor where all the action transpired. Along the hallway were a bunch of tiny rooms just big enough for a single-sized bed in each. As I made my way past each of these cubby holes, I began to ponder the fate of the girls who once worked in this house of prostitution. You see, this establishment has been closed down for some time now. It's located in the ruins of the city of Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. Walking through the ruins, I wondered if some of those early Ephesians who would later become Christians regularly visited this brothel. How many of them had been sex addicts, I wondered. What did the first century pastors of that church 
men like Paul, Timothy, and John do to help those Christian men who were struggling with sexual sin. One thing is for sure, they didn't pass them off to a psychologist. No, it's certain they turned to the Word of God, the only source of wisdom for a believer struggling with habitual sin. Today, just as in biblical times, sexual sin continues to be the single greatest cause of defeat for Christian men. While prostitution remains a problem, the greatest area of temptation facing today's Christian men is pornography. Thanks to the internet, a man can have a brothel right in his own home. Nevertheless, just like 2,000 years ago, the answers we need are found in Scripture. Perhaps the following verses from Proverbs 7, which I'll offer in the Living Bible, are the very words those early Christian pastors directed their men to read. To bring it up to date, I'll substitute the word pornography for prostitute in this passage. Listen to me, young men. Don't let your desires get out of hand. Don't let yourself think about pornography. Don't go near it. Stay away from where it is, lest it tempts you and seduces you. For it has been the ruin of multitudes. A vast host of men have been its victims. If you want to find the road to hell, look for the places that offer pornography. The advice Solomon gives here is just as relevant to us today as it was to the men of the early church. And he offers three main pieces of wise counsel here. First, don't let your desires get out of hand because they will determine the course of your life. Perhaps this is why Solomon said in chapter four of Proverbs, above all else, guard your affections for they influence everything else in your life. Jesus put it this way, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. A person's lifestyle will be determined by the desires he allows to lead him. I can safely say that every Christian I have ever dealt with who had a problem with porn also lived a life that revolved around pleasure and entertainment. Kept in their proper perspective, one can have as little indulgences in this world. Unfortunately, many Christians believe that they should be able to fill their lives with all of them. Solomon is telling men struggling with habitual sexual sin that they cannot expect to break the addiction to immorality until they first change the lifestyle of pleasure that is making it possible for this addiction to thrive. A man must change the course of his life from one that revolves around carnal desires to one that is centered upon the things of God. The second piece of advice given is to avoid those places known to harbor temptation. Once more, we turn to the words of Solomon, again substituting the metaphor of the prostitute with that of pornography. Young men, listen to me and never forget what I'm about to say. Run from pornography. Don't go near where it is, lest you fall to its temptation and lose your honor and give the remainder of your life to the cruel and merciless. Lest strangers obtain your wealth and you become a slave of foreigners. The second pointer the old wise king gives is to avoid those areas that house sexual temptation. For men today, this means more than staying away from the obvious sensuous places such as the red light district where porn shops, strip clubs, and massage parlors abound. 
and means that we must cut off every avenue the enemy might use to lure us into sin. Obviously, if the internet is the source of the problem, then the struggling believer must find a way to protect himself from it. I'll just offer a couple of suggestions here. The first possibility is to get a good online filter that will protect you from having access to anything pornographic. Or maybe even better is a program like Covenant Eyes, which reports the websites you visit to an accountability partner. Another possible solution is to have a password installed on your computer that only your wife knows, so that it's not possible to get on the internet without her presence. If for some reason these answers will not provide the protection you need, then you simply must disconnect your computer from the internet. You cannot afford not to. That brings us to Solomon's final tip. Guard your minds and hearts. If you sit around thinking about those pornographic images you've seen, it will only be a matter of time before you're on the internet heading for trouble. Let me share with you what I said in my book At the Altar of Sexual Idolatry about this. The initial step into sin is allowing the thought of temptation to fester. It's extremely difficult to thwart the processes of thought once entertained. James said that a person is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. This illustrates a man's lust actually picking him up and carrying him to a place where he cannot defend himself and then enticing him. It's almost as if his carnal desires momentarily take control of his mind and carries him away to some dream world where he's then utterly defenseless. Once there, he's swallowed up in the evil imaginations of his own sick heart. So there it is. The best time to stop a temptation is when it first starts. When a man begins contemplating the temptation, the sin becomes larger and larger in his mind. Before long, all the consequences of sin, hurting loved ones, drifting further from God, and so on, are crowded out of his mind by the delicious thought of sin. The time to fight temptation is when it first appears. It's very easy to allow the mind to drift into sensuality, but very important to stop carnal thinking in its tracks. Listen, there's no pat answers that stop enticing thoughts, but there are three little things a man can always do. Ask the Lord for strength to endure, spend time in the Word, and focus your thoughts on the things of God. There's always a way of escape for those who look for it. My visit to that brothel in 1995 was a reminder that sexual temptation has been one of the devil's chief weapons against believers since the earliest days of civilization. But along with the problem, the Lord has provided the ageless wisdom found only in Scripture. Don't let your desires get out of hand. Don't go near it. Don't let yourself think about it. There are so many influences in the worldly culture of American life that beckon a man toward destruction. They are so much a part of our lives that we often don't see them as dangerous at all. And so we allow these influences full access to our ears, our eyes, and our hearts. Michael Wheaton has dealt with these in his own life 
and now uses his experience and training to warn men in our Overcomers at Home program to rid their lives of the siren's call to destruction. I'm joined in the studio today by Michael Wheaton. Michael has served Pure Life Ministries for several years, and uh, he has been a residential counselor and currently serves as a counselor for our Overcomers at Home program. Michael, first of all, welcome. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for being here with us today. For our listeners who may not know, our residential program, of course, is our campus here in Kentucky where men come to spend nine months overcoming their habits of sexual sin. But we have men scattered across the country and in countries around the world who are doing the program at home. And so they still live out in the world. And we have to deal with them when they are surrounded by a godless world culture and have things right in their own homes that they need to be warned about and need to take care of. Michael, you deal with students and have who are going through the program at home. Yes. And what we want to talk about today is what kind of fences we have to put in place in order to help them protect themselves from their own sinful nature and from the influences of the world. This segment is in the overall context of the 20 truths that Pastor Steve Gallagher is teaching us. And his truth is, don't go near the prostitute's house. And quoting from the scripture in Proverbs, he is telling us, don't go anywhere near trouble. Stay away from temptation. Put in place whatever you need to stay out of an area of danger for you. And so we like to speak to it in terms of what fences do we need to put in place to keep us from going somewhere that we don't need to go. Uh, Michael, let me ask you, first of all, just to get us started, what are the biblical principles that you go by when you recommend that men put these fences in place? Well, first of all, I'm grateful to be talking about this subject. I believe it's very important, especially in the day we're living in. Just going out, we're constantly bombarded with the world's message, whether it's billboards, uh, advertisements on the internet, commercials, you name it. It's the world's message is right in our face and Mm -hmm. having fences in our lives is very important to guard us from those temptations, from those lures. Uh, That being said, as Christians, we need to have fences established in our lives. While most of the things we're going to be discussing today, like the internet, YouTube, uh, TV, social media, or even going to the mall, aren't inherently sinful. Right. Uh, The Lord tells us in Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And having fences in place helps us to follow this command. I'm also reminded through the prophet Jeremiah, where he said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And another translation says it this way, who can understand the human heart? There is nothing else so deceitful It is too sick to be healed. Uh, We can't trust ourselves. The problem isn't necessarily a mall. The problem isn't necessarily a television set or a television show. The problem is the human heart. And so these are not legalistic rules. These are practical things that we need to have in place 
to be obedient, to guard our heart, and God is telling us this for our own sake. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you just said that because I remember thinking to myself, if I have all these boundaries or fences in place, how am I being led by the Spirit? This seems like legalism. Uh, while it's true that boundaries or fences won't deal with the root issue, which you just mentioned is our heart, it's foolish to think we can just skate through life and not take seriously scriptures like Romans thirteen fourteen, which clearly tells us to make no provision for the flesh. And so this isn't just the Proverbs of the Old Testament. This is the Apostle Paul in the New Testament telling Christians, don't make plans in advance for sin. Right. Also in Matthew six thirteen, Jesus teaches us to pray, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And to not have fences in our lives and to be praying in this way seems like tempting the Lord. Mm-hmm. Michael, one of the other scriptures that we use a lot here at Pure Life, it is a uh, law of the Spirit, and it's also a law of nature. Mm-hmm. And that is that whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, Paul said, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And he goes on to say that if we sow to the Spirit, we reap from the Spirit. Praise God. If we sow to the flesh, we reap from the flesh, and we reap destruction. And having fences in place that protect us from ourselves, it's so much easier to sow to the Spirit then, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I'm glad you mentioned that because the reason we need fences in place or part of the reason we need them in place is because of ourselves. (laughs) Um, Our heart, as we as we talked about earlier, is deceitfully wicked. And um, these fences help us, especially in times of weakness Mm -hmm. or uh, in times of temptation. We feel that propensity to wander or that pull to the things of this world those fences are safeguards for us and can even act as roadblocks or warning signs when we're in those times of temptation. Uh, But to not have those in place is to just open the door to yielding to our flesh and, and giving right into the temptation. All right, let's get right down to business. Here at Pure Life, we have a website. We use the internet. Uh, Many people are listening to this podcast because it's posted on the internet. But those of us who have been in sexual sin, and every counselor uh, here is a graduate of the program, the vast majority of us, the tool of the devil that hooked us was the internet. Yeah. And it's everywhere. And it seems like most people in today's culture feel like they can't live without it. And in the residential program, it's just in place. Students don't have access to the Internet. But for those men and women who are out there in the world, they have a computer in their home. They have a smartphone that gives them access to the Internet. As a counselor for students at home, what is your best godly counsel about use of the Internet? Well, to start, if someone's struggling with viewing pornography on the Internet, then my first response is to get rid of it. <laughs> now, some people may think that sounds harsh, but in Matthew five twenty nine through 30, yeah. Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. 
For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. At the end of Matthew 7, in the same sermon, Jesus also said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Yes. For someone who isn't using the internet for sin, it's still wise to have some sort of internet filter or accountability software. Uh, we recommend to our guys Covenant Eyes. I know there's others out there um, that I'm not as familiar with. Um, and it's equally important to limit the amount of time spent on it, yeah. even if it's just online shopping. And Scripture has a lot to say about how we should spend our time, what we should listen to, look at, and think about. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll touch on some of those things later. Michael, you mentioned that great Scripture from Matthew 5 where Jesus talks about plucking out the right eye that causes you to sin or cutting off the right hand that causes you to sin. And Jesus does not expect us to walk around maimed and blind. But the point is we need to be radical in cutting out and cutting off the sin that's in our lives. Mm-hmm. And in regard to the Internet, it may mean, as you said, getting rid of it entirely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, here's that other great monster that's in everybody's house. Matter of fact, most of us have a room where all of the furniture is pointed toward the television. And it, today it's not just network television it's cable with a thousand channels and it's all these other kinds of services that bring all kinds of programming into our houses what do you tell somebody about how they should live in relation to their tv well i'd like to just start with the fact that today we've become extremely desensitized People can watch TV shows which promote things that God says are an abomination to them Mm -hmm. uh, without the slightest conviction. And I know this is true because before I came to Pure Life, I professed to be a Christian. And yet some of the shows and movies I watched made things like lying, lust, or violence seem innocent or comical. And this is not just the world's problem. The world's not the only one desensitized. This is Christians, people in the church. Some of the movies they're, they're exposing themselves to or some of the shows they're exposing them, themselves to, and it's, it's a very slippery slope. Yes. And as far as these things go, whether it's Netflix, Hulu, Apple TV, whatever else is, is out there now, I'm, I may not be up to date on, on some of the latest services that are available Honestly, uh, addressing each of these things is overwhelming. Uh, one can hardly go onto the internet or turn on a TV without being exposed to something that's practically pornographic. So my counsel to men or really anyone who's trying to walk with the Lord is to have nothing to do with these things. Uh, just get rid of them. 
Now, Michael, you actually counsel men to get rid of their television, to get rid of all their subscription services, to do without a TV in the house. I grew up in in front of a television set. I didn't think I would ever live without it. And even before I came to Pure Life, I was watching television four or five hours every night. It's what we did. I haven't watched network television in five years now. The amazing thing is, is that when you make the choice to get rid of this thing that pipes into your home so much that is dishonoring to God and blasphemous to the Lord Jesus, your life gets so much better so quickly. It's not a sacrifice. What's been your experience as you've, I know you don't watch TV either. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. One of the the biggest blessings since not having TV uh, has been the ability to, one, just slow down. Uh, I just found when I used to constantly sit in front of the TV and watch whatever the latest, most popular shows were, there was just this constant need to be doing something or having something stimulating or entertaining I didn't know how to just be still or slow down, and that was that was huge for me, especially coming out of sexual sin. Uh, most of us who have given ourselves over to to that have just been living such a fast-paced lifestyle. Right. No ability to slow down, just one thing after another. Uh, and then if there's nothing going on, well, I need to be sitting in front of a TV and having something stimulating or something entertaining me. Um, so getting, getting rid of that has been, been huge. And also, you know, on the other side of that, I know that not everything that is out there is bad, but just seeing more and more the direction these things are headed. And, you know, you turn on the main screen of something like Netflix or something like that. And all you see are these images that whether they're pornographic or not, they're demonic, violent, uh, and those things have a huge impression on your your mind. Those right. images get lodged into your mind, and it's hard to break free from those. And so you, some point, just get to the place where you have to ask the question, is it worth it? Yeah, yeah. Is it worth it? Because that is going near, as we said in our, our theme verse for this segment, that's going near the door of the prostitute's house. Well, let's jump to another one. Let's talk about social media. Pure Life, we use social media in order to disseminate our message, but the men in the residential program and even the staff are not on social media. A great many men use social media as the avenue for their sin. Mm-hmm. A great many men started their emotional and then their sexual affair by someone that they met online. Mm-hmm. What is your counsel to our men in regard to social media? Uh, It's amazing to see how much of an impact social media has had on our society over the past decade. And that impact has been devastating in some cases, uh, which you just alluded to. The reality we have to face is that our world is growing increasingly dark as we're approaching the return of Jesus Christ. Right. And things that were considered shameful just 50 to 60 years ago are now celebrated. And social media has played an integral part in promoting evil 
and has been used by many as a platform for gossiping, backbiting, slander, boasting, sexual morality, the list goes on and on. And of course, there are many who have used social media for good. But the point I'm trying to drive home is that we have to be very careful about what we expose ourselves to. And I want to take a little different approach as talking about social media. And the verse that I'm reminded of is Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Mm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Whether we like to admit it or not, the things we expose ourselves to influence us more than we realize. And whatever we give that position of influence to in our lives, we're letting counsel us. Yes. All right, let's go in another direction. It's all related. Movies. Most of us grew up watching movies. We love movies. Is there any particular counsel you give just in regard to movies? And let's just say not only at the movie theater, but movies that you might watch if you keep your television. Yeah, well, the nice thing about movies is you can control what you watch. Right. And it's very important, especially when it comes to movies, to know what you're watching And while there are sites out there like kidsinmind.com and others that you can go to to see what kind of content uh, is in a movie and whether or not you want to be watching it, you have to be extremely careful even going on those sites because some of the content that you're reading is pornographic. Yes. And even that is is a potential stumbling block for people. However... Uh, One of the things I personally like to do when it comes to this area, I still do watch movies, um, but I have searched for movies that are Christian or there are there are websites out there, Christian movie uh, websites that just list faith based uh, movies and family friendly movies on them. So you kind of avoid having to see all of the secular things that are out there and and running the risk of having to see something that you don't want to see. Now, not all faith-based movies are very strong in their biblical message, but I find it very helpful to use some of those sites when finding potential movies that I might want to watch or uh, looking for biographies of godly men and women who have walked with the Lord and have a testimony of, of walking with the Lord and experiencing his faithfulness. And so those are the sorts of things that I personally try to do when it comes to watching movies and would recommend uh, to others as well. Michael, I have personally seen teenagers play video games that were obviously based on sex and violence. I have known, uh, personally know of men in their 30s and 40s who are absolutely addicted to video games that are based on warfare. Mm. And these games are full of things that dishonor God, and people really do get addicted. They spend hours a day in this fantasy world playing games. 
What is your best counsel for a man in regard to video games? Well, I want to go back to a verse we shared at the beginning from the prophet uh, Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And part of the problem is, as we mentioned earlier, or the root really is our hearts. Yes. And we have an addictive nature. We become addicted to things. For some of us, it's video games. For some of us, it's movies. Some of us, it's social media. And in this case, uh, it's not so much that a video game in and of itself is addictive, but it feeds on our addictive nature, our fallen natures. And that's why we see so many people becoming addicted to video games and this sort of fantasy world that they can live in. And what I want to kind of say on the other side of that is it's hard to find very many good reasons for playing them, (laughs) if any. Yeah. And so for a guy who's in sexual sin or video games are a struggle for them and they're getting into sin that way, again, get get rid of them. Yes. That's what Jesus' counsel was to us. If this thing is a potential cause of sin for me in my life, then I just need to get rid of it and ask myself, what's more important? Is it more important for me to have an intimate relationship with the Lord or continually open the door to giving over to my flesh and causing separation um, in my relationship with the Lord. And to me, that's the most important thing as we're addressing any of these things. Sure. Is my relationship with the Lord. And that is what this is about. A simple guideline for me has been, could I sit here on social media and engage it in such a way, in, in this way that I'm doing, if Jesus was sitting right next to me watching? Would I watch this movie if he was sitting on the couch next to me? Yeah. Would I play this video game for hours if Jesus was with me, watching everything that I did? And then the second question, of course, is what makes you think he isn't? Right. Well, and I'll just add to that. Um, you know, I've heard, I've heard people say that before. And if, if we don't have a true understanding of who Jesus is, of his holiness, of his desire, of his will for our lives. As believers, we are to be called out and separated from the world. And he calls us to a life of holiness. And that means separation from the world and things of the world, Um, even things that aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul when he said that, you know, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. Right. And video games, social media, most of this stuff, if we're honest, is not profitable for us. It's not helping us grow spiritually. It's not helping us grow in our knowledge of who Jesus is, which was Paul's one aim. Yeah. And he said that over and over again, just to know Jesus Christ. If I'm a believer and my aim in life is to know Jesus Christ, are these things helping me to do that? And that helps me to know if this is really pleasing to the Lord versus Mm -hmm. some imagination I have of who Jesus is and that he would approve of some of these things or be rejoicing in these things. Okay, here's a hot button for many people, Michael. Talk to me about music, contemporary music, Mm -hmm. the music that you might normally hear 
on the radio unless you're tuned to the Christian radio station. What do you do about secular music? Yeah, well, music is powerful, and it has a tremendous ability to influence us. I remember back in high school, I used to listen to rap music uh, all the time, and it just fed that spirit of anger and Mm -hmm. lust inside of me. Um, And the more I listened to it, the more I would give myself over to that spirit. Yes. Um, And even all these years later, having not listened to rap music in over a decade, if I happen to be out, whether it's in a store or hear rap music playing in a car that drives by, I can feel that pull of that spirit um, and that old mindset is right there. Yeah. I can feel it pulling me into that thinking and all of a sudden these emotions of anger or lust are um, wanting to rise up just hearing uh, a lyric or two or a beat um, all these years later. All right, last one, and this one might seem odd to some, but its influence is far more powerful than most people give it credit for, and that is the shopping mall or any kind of environment uh, that promotes consumerism. Talk to me about that. Yeah, well, um, just for me personally, when I have walked into a mall, there's an atmosphere there and they even know that and so when choosing music that they play in their stores or the fragrance that's there it all appeals to our senses Mm -hmm. and our carnal nature and it's trying to get us to buy into the fact that things that are temporal uh, whether it's clothing uh, the latest gadget whatever that is what it's wanting um, us to value, wanting us to see as important. And just going into a mall, everything is temporal, whether it's the music you're hearing or the fragrance you're smelling, but even what people wear in the malls. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it's a worldly environment. <laughs> I mean, there's no other, other way to say it. It's just, it is a worldly environment. As we close today, Mike, I'd like you to take us back to the Scripture. One of the Scriptures that we're constantly sharing with men here at Pure Life because they've come here to get free from temptation hmm. to sexual sin is 1 Corinthians 10, 13 and 14, where Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you, but that which is common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation, will always provide a way of escape so that you can bear up under it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Now, talk to me about taking the way of escape. And also, how do you make decisions about the things that we've talked about today? Yeah, well, sometimes the way of escape is to not browse the internet Mm -hmm. or to not watch that movie or read that book or listen to that music. The answer is not to put ourselves 
in places of danger and then to cry out to the Lord to <laughs> deliver us. Yeah. Again, that's tempting the Lord, which we're commanded not to do. So when deciding what kind of fences need to be established, we need to ask God to help us. And the Holy Spirit, through his word and through personal convictions, will lead us. And here are just some personal questions uh, the Lord's given me to ask myself when determining what fences I need in place. And these aren't in any particular order. Is this pleasing to the Lord? Is this edifying? Is this profitable? Is this helpful? How does this affect me spiritually? Does this increase or decrease my hunger for the Lord, his word, and prayer? Is this feeding my flesh or my spirit? Is this drawing me closer to the Lord or taking me further from him? Is this contrary to God's word? The Holy Spirit will never lead us to do anything that goes against his revealed word. Right. Does this line up with God's word? And I have passages referenced here like Romans 12, 1 through 2, mm-hmm. Philippians 4, 8, Colossians 3, 2. And I can't rely on my own understanding. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. The way that seems right to a man ends in death. The way that God has outlined in his word leads to life. I, I really want to thank you for coming in today. You have given us very practical, very hands-on guidelines on how to protect ourselves from the things of the world and how to stay away from that prostitute's house, how to stay out of trouble. Thank you so much, Michael. You're welcome, Jim. Thank you for having me. In the old days, makers of harmful household chemicals would place on the label a skull and crossbones, indicating that this bottle contains a deadly poison. Would you drink from such a bottle? Of course not, unless you purposely wanted to do yourself great harm. And yet we pipe poisonous materials right into our homes through many forms of the godless media. We hope we've given you some insight into the danger and a roadmap toward ridding your home and your life of those things that the enemy has designed for your destruction. That's all for today. We'll see you next time on Purity for Life. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.